as a tool, mm-hmm. right? But uh, but Caden, but anyway, we're not talking about that today. So your name and everything. This is Kelly Stevens. Uh, if you've seen the other episode, Dan Stevens is her husband. We mm-hmm. discussed at length gaming and archetypal uh, themes in games, as well as a new way of looking at tradition traditional stories, both in Hebrew and Christian tradition. Um, we're going to do a little bit different today. Uh, you are, well, tell, tell us what you do without going into too much detail. Um, sure. So I'm a, I'm a computer scientist by trade. I have a master's degree in mathematics from Virginia Tech, but I've been doing, been working in software engineering and simulation for basically my whole career. So I'm a woman in STEM. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. It's a ton of fun. Your eyes light up when you talk about it too. Like there's this spark that. Yeah. And you don't see that typically from a lot of people. I think a lot of people, they just don't understand how much fun it is to be a programmer. Basically. Mm. I mean, I know when I was coming up through school, other girls were talking about, oh, I just don't want to be in front of a computer all day. They hated the idea of desks. And the idea that a computer is tedious, um, and it's all a bunch of numbers. Everyone was turned off by numbers. I'm actually not that enamored of numbers myself. Really? But I love solving puzzles. So um, uh, arithmetic was just a nightmare for me as a kid. I cried over fractions so much. But um, once I got to trigonometry, there were symbols to manipulate. And geometry, there were shapes and symbols. And that just um really let a fire in me for learning more about mathematics and a lot of the things you do in programming is symbol manipulation so uh and puzzle solving and also creating there's a lot of creating that you do so it's a very creative act it actually reminds me of sewing which is really traditionally a very feminine activity um and so it just it melds quite seamlessly in my life Hmm. um so you feel like when you're programming are you building are you weaving a tapestry are you um yeah patching things in? like i'm creating something but it's not just that i'm creating something that i might find aesthetically pleasing and someone else might not um but it's also i'm creating something useful Mm. Mm -hmm. that won't be thrown away um no one's going to spill on it it's not going to go into the washing machine Bits and numbers last and last and last. You can back them up as many times as you want, replicate them, send them all over the world, do something useful, permanently useful almost, with the, just just t- by typing. So I love that. And another thing that helped me get into STEM was um, my dad really liked to fix cars. Hmm. And I always enjoyed just kind of watching the process. And to me, programming is also very mechanical. It's just that I don't have to get my fingers dirty. It's one of the things that pulled me out of the automotive world and had me move to (laughs) IT was I get to work in air conditioning all day and (laughs) kind of doing similar things. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I'm troubleshooting linearly, which is always nice because it is just math at the end of the day. So if something's not working, it's not like for me, it's like personal exchanges. There might, it might not work. The people might have a disagreement and there not be a logical reason for it. Yeah. I can't go in and fix it. Mm-hmm. 
uh, cars and computers both for me. There's always a reason. It's so reassuring. It is so reassuring. There's always a reason why something went wrong. Unfortunately, occasionally you don't discover the reason why <laughs> and you fix it. But 99% of the time you both discover the reason why and you fix it. Mm. And that's such a satisfying feeling. Um, especially as you get more years of experience. So one of the activities that junior programmers tend to not enjoy is debugging, but it's very important on old pieces of software because you got to keep the thing going. Mm. Um, and people generally in younger in their career tend to prefer creating new code over fixing old code. What? No. Which often maybe a root cause of how upgrades turn into downgrades because someone just decides to delete a whole bunch of complexity they didn't understand and then they rewrite it because they wanted it to be theirs. Do you think that's um, just going into the personality of people that are attracted to such things? Do you think that's a high and openness trait in that people are just wanting to explore and do something new and and reach out into the frontier and they're less concerned with the more the kind of the low and openness maintaining of the system or do you think it's what do you think is going on there well i don't know i mean programmers come in all types there's the visionary types that basically um aren't willing to maintain unfortunately existing code and that's um doesn't usually work out too well for their careers when that happens mm. and there's the ones that are humble willing to get things done in the long term um, but when you mix them both, and most people are a mixture of both, um, it can be a really powerful combination. If you're both the creator and the maintainer, that's kind of the best combination. Yeah. Um, but like in terms of personalities, um, kinds of people who thrive in that environment are curious, interested in solving problems, desiring to be useful. Exploratory. Uh, maybe it doesn't have to be no. exploratory yeah. I see I don't think of mm. myself as a terribly exploratory person mm -hmm. but you can be conservative in your approaches to new technologies and do just fine because there's a lot of situations where it's like well if it ain't broke don't fix it mm -hmm. and um, more conservative personalities are better able to identify the right moment for that kind of let's fix it attitude. Yeah. One of the things I'm seeing in the industry, the specific portion of the industry that I, my daily work is in is you've got a, a contrasting, you can move that as you need to. Okay. Just, yeah, it's on a boom. It'll swing. Feel free to just like swing it out a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Well, is it? It'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've got the agricultural or the, um, the manufacturing element. One of the big things about manufacturing is you really need, need to be able to spend eight or nine million dollars on a really big, reliable piece of manufacturing equipment that actually does the folding of the steel and things like that. But what we've been doing in order to pursue precision in machines like that is more and more integrating really sophisticated software into the controls and the monitoring of them. In order to have that, you have to be constantly upgrading the computer portion of it or at least able to communicate with the computer portion of it, despite your environment needing to update for security reasons and for compatibility reasons across the greater company. Um, 
I think there's going to be a need for more people willing to meld the legacy applications with the modern updates and uh, what you're talking about, fixing the code. But it's not just fixing the code. You're, you're kind of adapting it to be yeah. a little more flexible. And this will be, I mean, we're going to need people doing that a lot. It seems to me anyway. Oh, yeah, because, um, right, it almost ends up being an operating system design problem, what you're describing, because you need all these different kinds of applications for the same set of robots. Yes. Yeah. Um, and lab, lab equipment as well, if you're doing labware limbs, mm -hmm. things like that. There's all, there's all kinds of needs for programmers. Um, one of the applications that is near and dear to my heart is in simulation. So I thought I would talk about it a little bit because... I'd love to hear it. Um, most people who get into computer science and programming are interested in web applications and apps and sometimes, you know, like databases. Um, but simulation is work where you um, program in, essentially you program in the physics of a system and then watch and see what happens. And that's been delightful because physicists can figure out formulas that describe systems, but when you take a complicated system and mix a lot of these systems together, it's a little bit hard to predict. It's really hard to predict what will happen. But you can take um, software and teach computers to basically play these games. Hmm. It's just like if you're in a video game and someone drops the apple and it falls. Someone has programmed gravity into your environment by maybe they used a very simple equation. Mm -hmm. um, so simulators work on the same principle. You program in physics um, and out comes the behaviors and then you can watch and learn what might happen so that's been really fun um part of my career on top of i've experienced with the web application mm -hmm. stuff. yeah i heard somebody recently um it's actually elon musk saying that we're we're concentrating probably more talent in internet related functions than is really necessary uh, and it would be really neat to see those that creative talent and that ability those skill sets to start moving into other elements of technology and you know he's recruiting for SpaceX and things like that so he wants anything yeah. he's like let's you know is it a really cool idea will it make the world genuinely a little bit better let's do it and I mean when you start thinking about people you know there's probably somebody out there doing a web job you know, web application development job where he's just like grinding away or she's going, this is not what I had hoped it would be. This is everything that everybody told me it would be. I should have never done this, things like that. But they we're, we're needing that their talent elsewhere too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a huge need for talent, especially homegrown talent here. And um, so I, I encourage, I try to encourage people on a regular basis to get into it. How can we encourage people, especially women? Because I know that's a big thing. We're talking about the, yeah. the gender disparagement there. It was, it's... So I thought I'd like to talk a little bit about my experience. Okay. The, um, a lot of women I know in STEM had 
either a father figure or a brother figure that they connected to really well who saw past gender stereotype limitations. Mm. And that was true in my life with my dad. I was the one who went to the garage and helped him fix the cars. That just wasn't my older brother's thing. But for my brother, um, we would always play board games together. Of course, that's part of how I um, fell in love with my husband. And anyway, just the feeling as a child, like, I can do anything these boys can do. It's fine. You know, helped take the edge off of the intimidation factor. Mm. But then when I got to university and I was already aspirational enough to pick a major that was tough I found there was a support group just waiting for me already Um, so at Virginia Tech we had the Association for Women in Computing and it was just like there were maybe we had about 10% women um, out of a class of 500 and maybe half of those girls joined the club so it was a tiny club but that gave you like instant friends and people who understood. The logistics of it were still, you know, I was surrounded by men. I did my, um, you know, study for tests with men and, you know, go to the boys for help when I had needed to learn something that I didn't have the chance to learn in high school. They already knew. So that's fine. And there's a little bit of maturity issues with 18-year-old boys. No, that doesn't happen. Come on now. Occasionally, there were some um, nasty listserv messages. Mm. But, you know, that was about the worst that happened. And by and large, we had a lot of support from the faculty and the other girls, the other young ladies, to um, give it our all. And, of course, grading is a kind of an equal opportunity system when you are the kid that's getting the A's it, you just don't really feel intimidated by the boys who are getting the B's <laughs> <laughs> was there a lot of resistance I mean as far as I mean you mentioned it was just a, a little bit but did the did the atmosphere feel resistant to you being there so there was once or twice where the professor raised a question and I knew the answer and you know I'm in a classroom of a hundred 18 year old males and there's like three women in the room and he asked the question again and he asked the question again finally I raised my hand and (laughs) (laughs) I had read it from the textbook like the night before and I knew exactly what he was looking for so and the but the whole room was like and you could just feel the air really? crackle with, I don't know what that was. But for me, this is a little gratifying. I mean, <laughs> I just, I just um, showed them up. That's not my fault. <laughs> no. Well, it is. You actually applied your ability to I learn the necessary information. I mean, it's... Not my fault they didn't know. That's correct. I will take credit for knowing. Absolutely. Yeah. And you should. So Sure, there was a little jealousy, but by and large, uh, I just, I felt like a valued member. And then especially near the end of the process, when you go and it's time to talk to companies, I mean, I, 
they can be pretty aggressive, the companies can. They're, they have such a gender imbalance problem that they're trying to fix. Mm. There's a piece of me that feels bad for the men as mm. well in that situation. So um, I was well cared for as a senior. And, um, well, most computer scientists, when they hit their senior year, if they have above a 3.5, are going to be in great shape, especially nice. if they're, they're not at a nice university like yeah. Tech. So uh, most of my peers did really well through that process. But being a woman, I found that all the companies were, I mean, they were very open-armed. Were they aggressively competing for you? Yeah, I mean, they yeah. were like taking us out to dinner, the whole courting thing. Is that, now, okay, so th is that crossing a boundary? Because I'm guessing, does, <laughs> does that become sexual harassment there? No. On some I mean, level? I mean, it's like, it's it, talent. You're it, pursuing talent. You're is it reverse gender discrimination? Uh, is it just they're trying to make up for historical problems and we should just think of it all as fair? I just don't really, I don't really have the answers. I would say to women who are thinking about getting in this field, there are a lot of reasons why this should be attractive. This is one of the futures. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, you're being recruited like, uh, like, you know, for guys, it's the, the NFL. It's like you're being wooed for your absolute unique ability and what you, everything else that you bring up to the table about you being you, which is a really neat thing to think about. Just you see the world differently and that's worth having, having. And I think we've, I think we've done a really good job of figuring out that that is an important thing to have that just by nature. The world is viewed differently by different people and by having that diversity of ideas and perspectives, it's it's really important. How we're doing it, I feel, is still a bit clunky, but we are trying, we're striving, and if we don't do it badly first, I don't think we can start improving on it. It feels really clear to me that our society is trying, and I'm pleased by that. And even as I entered the workforce, I found... Um, the men were a lot more mature than the 18 year old set <laughs> past 27. Once we get past 27, they're, statistically, we're actually settling down. I've, okay. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've encountered quite a lot of gracious, gentlemanly, hardworking men in my environment. And it's just, you know, it's been really a pleasure. Um, one factor I do want to bring up for mm. women in particular is the idea that there is value in pursuing a career that is lucrative. Mm. So, are you an evil capitalist? <laughs> are you one of those people that actually makes money for I, what I you do? I think it's a good idea. Oh my goodness, to what are go we going to do? <laughs> and make money, particularly like you may think that you, um, you may be intending to stay at home with kids and thinking it's going to be a really short lived career. Um, which is fine. That is what I thought at the beginning. Um, totally what I intended to do. And a lot of women, of course, they do that. That's fine. But I have friends who got into the career, loved it, and did not want to stop working. Um, I have friends who got into a career just being a secretary, loved it, had a couple kids and did not want to start working, but they no longer had a choice. Mm. Um, it didn't make economic sense. I would, it's not say, fair to say they don't have a choice, but the price of daycare is so high. It's almost, it's basically like a mortgage per mm. child. Mm -hmm. So if you're not making 
just, I mean, think maybe it's a thousand dollars a child a month. How many did you want? How big is your salary? Are you set up to prepare for that? Are you picking a career where you're going to be able to afford that? Mm. If you're trying to do that on a teacher's salary, maybe really tough. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that I want you to be aware when you're limiting your options. Well, this is something I think you want to have that discussion during the courtship phase of your relationships that you're building as well. Like if you're going into a marriage or or a serious dating situation, things like that. And this, you know, we've been talking to the ladies a bit, but to the guys, like, want to encourage the guys to have this discussion. There is an interplay going on. And, you know, we're in an age now. It's a whole lot easier than it was pre-contraceptives to have a, a different or a non-standard income setup. Like, there's nothing wrong with the wife going to work and the husband staying home and doing that kind of homemaker setup. But it's going to be a problem if you didn't talk about the expectations going into the relationship. And it's going to be a problem if he chose a lucrative career and she did not. Mm, Great point. Yes. Right. Yeah. So when Daniel and I were engaged, we made an agreement that we were going to budget to live on his salary. Mm. And just plan to um, suck my income away until I quit the job. Thinking it was going to be a short-term thing, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. We used my income to make a down payment on a house. We did some traveling, which was wonderful. Um, We made a great start on our retirement, which is awesome to do when you're in your 20s. And then um, I (laughs) did. When I finally got to having children, though, I didn't want to stop working. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah. It is and, something to discover, though. I do though. want to say it's a sacrifice, right? So we picked, mm. like, when we bought that first house, we had to pick the size of the mortgage so that he could pay for it alone. We didn't have any new cars. We couldn't afford new phones and things like this. There was no cable, no way we could afford that. We were living on half our income. Mm. Um, so that involves sacrifice, but if you if you don't if you chip, pick the mortgage size ahead of time, you have the opportunity to give yourself those choices. Yeah. So we were all about just setting ourselves up for that kind of freedom. But then at the end of the process, I didn't want to quit the job. So bonus. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Except, hang on, we have to restructure our infra- our supporting structure that we kind of built up here. Well, it all just got easier. Did it really? Yeah. It was just, it was, it was just bonus time. It was. Yeah, well, yeah. it was maybe time to hire some household help. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, now we can live in a nicer house. We can drive a nicer car. We have other kinds of choices because of that initial investment that mm-hmm. in the early years. Yeah. Well, setting up for for economic flexibility, that was very wise. Very wise. And Daniel would have been fine with me staying at home. Mm -hmm. It's just choice. And you guys looked at the idea of him staying home quite a bit, at least explored it a bit. I don't know how much he wanted to do that. (laughs) Well, right. But you did did discuss it. It it at least came up where the decision was somewhat mutual, right? It was, it was, yeah. I was just curious. Uh, you're more than welcome to correct me if I'm wrong here. He's like, no, this was a knockdown, drag out fight. And I told him he does not get an opinion. I'm just, <laughs> right? <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. 
but, no, of course we worked it out. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's great. Is that, I think that's, um, important again to the guys. Like we're not tyrants. We don't say it's our way or the highway. We made a plan. We're sticking with it. We need to be, but it just left versatile. Yeah. Be versatile. Flexible. Versatile. But versatile in love. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. My husband is a golden catch. He is. I look up to him a lot, even though he's shorter than me. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, nah, he and I have been friends for a very long time. It, it was really strange when I found out that I was going to be marrying into the family. And then, wait, Dan's going to be my brother-in-law? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a cool discovery. So what's next? Like, um, if you were going to pursue something on your own, not work related not a work project what's next for kelly what like you you've got this skill set that you're putting to work in a, a great field but is there anything that you'd like to pursue independently um anything that's caught your eye you know the things i'm doing at work have caught my eye mm. and so i calculate out i have about 29 years left in my career and I'm looking forward to spending all of them. That is so off. cool. Um, you know Who can what? say that about their job? Maybe most people don't fall so very much head over heels in love with their particular problem set. But, you know, if you can find something that sparks a fire in you, we need people who are able to make long-term investments in technology. And... Uh, we have lots of problems that aren't going to be solved overnight. I think about um, Edison figuring out the light bulb. Mm, one of my favorite stories. Yeah. So. For those who don't know, you want to um, tell the saying. Well, so I don't know how many metals he tried before he figured out what kind of filament he needed to mm. make the light go. Um, but just the idea that you try and fail. Some of the best breakthroughs have just taken a long time. Um, but yeah, long-term focus has its benefits as well because you get mastery over a topic. Mm. And, uh, you become very skilled at something. So. so for any of the ladies looking to get into something just from scratch, any recommendations? Ask your teacher, oh, anything like that. Sure. So... There's this organization called Women in Technology. It's free to join. And there are like um, a lot of local chapters that have uh, sessions that will help you learn. They're really, there are support groups. If you just look up your local city and see, you know, women who code or um, women interested in programming, women in STEM, you it's very likely you'll find a local support group and the wonderful thing about it is those are the people you can ask any question of you just never need to be embarrassed you're not defending your turf or trying to prove anything mm. how do i install python how what is a command line how do i use it um it's incredibly easy to get into computer science if you are willing to and able to spend the time and mm. build a support group around doing that um, and the reason I say it's easy is it, uh, so many of the resources are free. Yeah, open source has become a really neat trend with the internet age that I've been yeah. happy to see. And so many of the clubs are free, and so many of the companies 
are so interested in hiring computer scientists of any ilk, with or without a bachelor's degree in a lot of cases, and um, particularly women. So I think it it's, uh, you know, it's just a great time to be walking into the field, even if you're like returning to work from a few years of staying at home, or if you're in a lower paying job and you're trying to move into something more lucrative, those are great kinds of scenarios that maybe give you the motivation and drive to get there. Um, but it does take determination. Hmm. And of Nothing course, comes easy. It takes frustration. Yeah. Um, but the more you do it, the more victories you score, the more satisfying it becomes. So I would encourage any, any woman to try. Great. No, thanks for doing this. Uh, I know we were trying to keep it to 30 minutes, and I think we're coming up on that. Okay. And uh, I know you guys got to get back on the road to get home. Mm -hmm. It's been great having you here. Thanks for taking the time out, and thanks for sharing. I, I, this was very eye-opening for me. So. Oh, thank you, Chase. And scene. <laughs>